0: I'm Dorothy Wickenden. On today's Politics and More podcast, David Remnick talks with the New Yorker's Sue Halpern about the movement to regulate the tech industry. Halpern says that antitrust regulations may not do much to alleviate users' anxieties about big tech.
1: One thing is pretty clear in this world. If you can get Elizabeth Warren and Steve Bannon to agree on something, and the something is that you're doing a lousy job and you can't be trusted, that's kind of a feat. And that's where the big four tech companies are right now. Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook are among the biggest and most profitable companies in the world, and they've been accustomed to having their way in Washington for a very long time. But maybe not anymore. The Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, and Congress are all investigating the tech giants and there's now talk that antitrust laws could be applied to break them up. Elizabeth Warren has actually made that a cornerstone of her campaign.
0: They think they can run their business to just roll right over every small business, every entrepreneur, every startup that might threaten their position it is time to break up America's tech giants.
1: I asked Sue Halpern, who reports for us on technology and politics, whether Washington is finally changing its tune.
0: Basically, we've got a situation in which the tech giants have um, done a number of things that are uh, wrong and creepy. The last of which was uh, the Nancy Pelosi fake video that made her look like a drunken fool.
1: And then he had a press conference in the Rose Garden with all this um, short sort of visuals that obviously were planned long before I said most currently that he was engaged in
0: a cover up. And the response in, their, in that case of Facebook was, oh, sorry, uh, let's move on. When the Pelosi video was not taken down, one of the things that Facebook said was, well, we don't have a rule that says everything on our platform has to be true. And so there's been a lot of talk among constituents, among politicians, that this has got to stop.
1: So, what would have to happen for Congress to determine that these big tech companies are, in fact, huge monopolies or that they're acting anti-competitively?
0: Well, that's actually, David, that's one of the problems is the antitrust laws that we have on the books are really not uh, set up to deal with these companies, in part because antitrust is typically about pricing. It's typically about, you know, is someone controlling the market and making things, you know, cost a particular thing? and, and, And that's not what's happening here. So, that I think, one of the things they could possibly do is change the antitrust statutes. Breaking them up doesn't solve the problem of privacy and it doesn't solve the problem of data surveillance and it doesn't solve the problem of propaganda. You know, and those are some of the biggest issues, and those are some of the issues that are really you know driving a lot of people's um, disapproval of these companies.
1: What was the turning point, do you think? In other words, for years and years, it seemed to me that Google, Facebook, Amazon, and, 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 and Apple were revered, really revered for its, their imagination, the, the, the facility of these inventions, the way they seemed to make life easier and more seamless and, and fluid. And then something happened. What was the turning point?
0: I think the turning point was pretty recently, and I think it came uh, with two things. One was the 2016 presidential election, where we saw platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram being used to project and inject uh, propaganda into uh, the country that was very divisive. I think people were very disturbed by the fact that there was uh, there were possibilities of using tools on Facebook to suppress the African American vote. And the second thing to sort of you know kick it down the road was Cambridge Analytica when when suddenly you know eighty seven million Facebook user profiles were being harvested. What Cambridge Analytica did was really not that much different than what the Obama campaign was doing in 2012 with, with you know, f- data from the friends of users. But suddenly it was looked on as this very dark exercise, um, which it was. Well, and then why did the Obama campaign
1: out? get away with it, as it were, and, and not the Trump campaign?
0: Because I don't think people, first of all, I don't think anyone really knew about it. Second of all, the scale was much, much different. And third of all, they weren't doing it for the dark arts. They weren't doing it to try to suppress the vote. They were doing it to try to get people to get out to vote. So I think there wasn't this sense that, you know, something untoward was going on. You know, the surprising victory of Donald Trump led people to ask the question, what happened? They really mastered the tools that Facebook had um, put out there. And they weren't put out there exclusively for the Trump campaign. They were put out there for
1: anybody. How do you go about even remotely going against the problem of privacy? So The privacy that none of us really have.
0: Yeah. So um, one of the issues here is that there are, are really no laws that protect our data and protect us from the um, acquisition of our data and the sale of our data and the use of our data in these advertising platforms, which is what Facebook and Google really are. So we could follow the 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 lead of Europe and start legislating privacy laws that that cover these things. And that's happening to an extent, in the states. And that's what's been really interesting to watch. So you see California um, has a pretty stringent privacy law that's about to go into effect, or it might have already gone into effect, that pretty much follows the GDPR.
1: The GDPR being the European law on data privacy. Yeah.
0: And one of the things that's been really interesting to watch is the extent to which the big tech companies are now calling for regulation, but they're calling for federal regulation because they're looking at the states and they're getting worried that the states are going to do things that are much more stringent than anything that they and their lobbyists can get the federal government to do. So it's a very interesting moment where you see these tech giants coming back and saying, oh, no, no, we really want to be regulated, but the fact is they want to write the regulations.
1: Well, ultimately in Washington, is is there real support for the kind of European laws that they have on privacy
0: there's probably not a lot of support for the the more uh, stringent controls that they have why what's
1: the downside
0: um, well the downside is that there's a, a kind of long-standing deep-seated um, uh, allergy to regulation um, I mean we get that definitely from the right and from the left or you know let's let's say from the republicans there's the anti regulatory sensibility and from the democrats they've always looked at tech with that kind of starry eyed you know these are our children kind of sensibility not just
1: our children but our big contributors
0: well that I was going to go there yes no. absolutely so for the longest time um they were getting a lot of money from um, from the tech companies from Silicon Valley.
1: How freaked out or not are these tech companies about the hearings in Congress this week? Are they seeing this as an existential threat to their companies or are they so well defended by lawyers and lobbyists and the rest that they're pretty confident that they'll, they'll survive it?
0: I think both. I mean, I think that the reason why they're they're so well defended by their lawyers, and and they do have lots and lots of antitrust lawyers in their companies, and you know they're looking at this as uh, a moment in which they're being called to account. They have to do something, um, but they want to direct the conversation. They want to direct how it goes so that ultimately they still win.
1: Well, there were hearings in the House earlier this week. And lawmakers started examining the power of Amazon and Apple and Alphabet, which is Google's parent, and Facebook. So what's changed politically that made investigations possible? Just one outrage after another?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's been very, very clear that the regulatory agencies that are overseeing the tech companies aren't overseeing the tech companies. The the uh, FTC has been unbelievably toothless in, in its uh regulation of tech. I mean, look at what happened with Facebook. In 2011, it had them sign a consent degree that basically Facebook said, yep, mm-hmm, we have been taking... Uh, data from from people who don't know that we're taking it but we're not going to do it again Um, and then they did it again they did it in such a huge big way you know we found out about Cambridge Analytica and that's just you know one thing that they did and now you know uh, what is it eight years later they're finally getting around to talking about fining uh, Facebook. That is a very, very slow wheel of justice. And so there's a desire on the part of legislators to try to figure out whether or not they can do something uh, legislatively. And that really does remain to be seen.
1: But, but finally, who are the people in government can, who can have the biggest impact on big tech? Is it the FTC? Is it the Justice Department? A certain House committee? Or is it the presidential candidates?
0: Good question. I, I think that you know one of the things that we know is that there, antitrust can come uh, from either the FTC or from the Department of Justice. You know what can the what can the presidential candidates do? And obviously, all they can do is talk. But one of the things that happens when they talk, when Elizabeth Warren talks about breaking up big tech, she automatically puts the tech companies on the defensive and then they have to come up with a rationale for why they shouldn't be and then we have a conversation and I think you know that's the beginning of of any of this is to have this in the public domain because it's not going to happen if we just you know say oh well you know they're too big you know they're too big not only to fail they're too big to to succeed and and then we just move on.
1: Sue Halpern is a frequent contributor to The New Yorker and a scholar in residence at Middlebury College.